0: watching We Heart Therapy, the special series EFT Talk. I'm your special host, Dr. Annabelle Bugatti, licensed marriage and family therapist and certified EFT supervisor and therapist here in fabulous Las Vegas. And we are welcoming to our show Alana Katz. She is one of our beloved EFT trainers in New York. She's actually responsible for bringing EFT externship training to New York. And she's a trainer. She trains both uh, in the United States and internationally. And she just does some fabulous work. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist, as well as a licensed clinical social worker. And she's a senior faculty member at the Ackerman Institute in New York, which is also fabulous. And we're welcoming her onto the show today. We're going to talk about learning EFT and the developing EFT therapists. So thank you, Alana, for being with us.
1: It's it's a pleasure to be with you. So I look forward to this
0: conversation. And I'm so excited because you were actually at my externship. So a lot of you guys don't know, I started with EFT in New York, and Alana was one of the trainers at the externship. So I've had an introduction with her before, and and she's just fabulous. So thank you. About this topic, so EFT is. Deceptively simple, right? Yeah, I, I that was
1: the exact phrase that was coming to mind when you started.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's like we come away from the externship and we're like, yeah, I can do this. All right, all right, I got this. Right. Then we get in a session and we're like, oh, I don't got this. <laughs> it's fun, it's great, but it is a little bit more complex than we realize on the outset. So What are some commonalities that you find or some common themes or blocks that you find come up with therapists as they start to learn EFT? Well, first,
1: I just wanna say, I, I appreciate being able to catch a breath on this topic because for me, it's a little bit like taking our video camera and turning it around and focusing it on ourselves. We're always watching, what is the couple doing? What are our clients saying? What's happening to them? And there's a lot that I think is implicit in the training in EFT, and this is a chance to make explicit some of what the journey is like for us.
0: Which is what we're all about, right? Right,
1: right. We try to do that for our clients. Why can't we try to do that for ourselves? Nice. So I've seen people approach this in, in different ways. Um, for some people, it's how do I just quick get all the information, right? Could if I just read enough books or saw enough tapes, could I possibly find a way to um, know it all, have it all in my head, right? Um, This model though is an embodied model. And just like we ask our clients to feel something different inside so they can then do something different in their relationship, I don't think a person can really develop fully an EFT unless they have an embodied sense of how to deal with those feelings and how to feel your way into it. And that was really mind bending for me.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really important point that you're making because in learning EFT, especially when you're really young in the EFT journey, your mind has to work a lot harder to remember the steps and the stages, the moves of the tango. So it feels like mentally we're really big, like two processes happen. We're busy thinking about where we are in the model and what our next step has to be. So we're kind of like away but simultaneously having to be present to understand what we're seeing in front of us. And and it's exhausting and it feels like maybe we're trying to hold a bit too much intellectually, which we right. talk about all the time is we don't want to engage the brain so much as we want to engage the whole body experience.
1: Right,
0: right. And I think, you know,
1: one of my latest expressions, maybe because I've been hanging out, I'm, I'm from the Midwest and I've been, uh, had the blessing of going back and doing some, some teaching of EFT in the Midwest most recently. And, you know, I grew up driving, which I don't do in New York very much. And I talk about hugging the curb. Can we just hug the curb? You know, I I tell people that um, we are not lawyers. Lawyers are trained to never ask a question that you don't know the answer to, right? You would never wanna be in a courtroom and be caught by surprise, right? And we are doing this complicated thing, which is we're using everything we know from our lives, from our experience to conjecture what might be happening but we also have to be prepared to be surprised. And we don't really have to know the answer to all our questions. We just have to find a way to lean in, hold close to our process. That by itself is mind-bending.
0: It right? kind of, say that, it kind of reminds me of how we talk about an insecure attachment, how we have a, a shorter window of tolerance for the um, ambiguous. So if we don't feel secure in our EFT skills, then we get more scared by the those surprise cues like surprise, I feel this way or your client says this and you're like, no. "Oh no. What do I do with that?"
1: I was I was doing a live session, I think it was about a year and a half ago now, and the the very good uh, EFT therapist had presented the case to me and said, you know, the husband was the withdrawer, the wife was the pursuer. And I got somewhat deep into the session, I asked her something about what she was feeling. And she just looked at me, and she went completely blank. And she said, I don't know what I feel. And for a quick moment, I thought, well, of course, you know, you're the pursuer. right?" And then I realized there was a bit more complexity there, which is this was a person who pursued on behalf of her children. She really didn't have much knowledge about her own interior emotional landscape. And it wasn't, she didn't give the wrong answer. She gave the right answer. I just wasn't prepared for it. So I needed to be able to pivot with that and say, oh, and what's it like not to know what you feel, right? When When you move through the world with such advocacy for your kids. What's it like to stop and check in and not feel, right? So I use that image a lot too. I always say I was never a fantastic tennis player, but I always like watching good tennis and a good tennis player will pivot, right? They, they look like they don't move necessarily so much, but they have to be prepared to think, well, the ball might come here, but on the other hand, it might be over there. And I have to be prepared to go in any direction at any shot, right?
0: Yeah. So how do therapists learn, kind of, as they develop their skills, how to be okay with those curveballs that may come their way and not freak out? Or I think a lot of us, especially early in the process, can tend to get lost when those curveballs come, and we might get a little dysregulated inside, like, "Uh uh-oh, I don't know what to do with this. And they lose their way, and then they start to go really cognitive, and Mm -hmm. they start blaming. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: So one of the things I like to talk about is, are are there any ways in which we can take what I call our internal monologue and turn it into a dialogue? So if inside I'm saying to myself some version of, OMG, I don't get this. Oh, panic, panic, you know. Is there anything to say, oh, you know what? I don't think I, I didn't quite follow you there, but I want to, can we just take another pass at this? So sometimes I will literally put words to that feeling. It calms the nervous system. It is an accurate reflection of what's happening for me. It gets me back in the room as opposed to up in my panicked head, you know? So that's one skill that I offer to people if it's helpful is say, if they're starting to feel that way, is there some version of that that you can say out loud that will
0: reconnect you with your clients? Does that make sense? Really good. And it helps us. I love how it kind of helps us catch our breath for a second. Right. So we may get a surprise response and it sounds like, I don't know what you're saying is give ourselves permission to feel lost for a second, just pause and hold it and, and make it explicit. Like, Oh, this is, you know, what's it like right here? I, I'm not quite sure I understand this or I'm not quite sure I follow. Can we just stay here for a moment and see if yeah. we can Yeah, better?
1: Exactly. Or sometimes I'll say, wow, something really fast just happened between the two of you. I didn't catch it. I know you both caught something. Yeah. Can I, can I catch up with you? What just happened when you looked over and saw that expression on your partner's face? The yeah. Interesting
0: thing is too, when I check in with clients who, who give you those curveballs, you know, like, I don't know what I feel, which is common in caretakers because they focus outward and they don't focus inward. They're caring for everyone else at the neglect of themselves. But, um, I found that oftentimes their partner has a similar experience where they're trying to get to their partner's needs and wants and their partner often gets the same, I don't know, so it kind of gives permission and, and validation for the experiences they have at home. Because we got to remember, this isn't new to our office. This happens at home, too. So it brings, it really illuminates this part of this process where they themselves get lost in not knowing and don't know how to find their way back to feeling or, or bonding. Or they're
1: so flooded with feeling that they can't organize it, right? They don't, right? It can go either way.
0: Yeah. So are there any, so I know we talked about, you know, as we develop therapists also find their growth edges and can you maybe define what a growth edge is? So yeah, thank you. I think there are different
1: ones for different uh, practitioners. One of the things I talk about, I, I actually developed a program called the EFT bootcamp because I felt like there were people who had taken their externship, taken their core skills, done their supervision hours, something was still missing. And there was a kind of freeze that went in between that and then trying to get certified, right? And so it got me very curious, like what was happening in our community and what might be some of the, some of the blocks that people were in? And one of the ones I I like to hang out with a lot in a training like that where I don't have the pressure to to teach steps or tango and I'm just turning the camera on us to think about what's happening inside is I think a lot of therapists come to our field um, for very good reasons. We want to understand better how to do emotions and relational experiences and we don't have such great models ourselves we are not such complete models ourselves right so we know we want this but we don't necessarily have our own secure base to fall back on and what happens then when we are supposed to hold up the lantern and help other people figure out how to do this emotional journey when it's been one that kind of freezes us or freaks us out or gets us, you know, stopped in our tracks ourselves, you know, it's kind of a little bit like I say, you know, hiring the decorator who's colorblind, you know, they want to help. But there's certain things that are hard for them to see are hard for them to know. So how do we grow that in ourselves explicitly, you know, Mm -hmm. just really take a moment to say, what happens to me when I get faced with a lot of emotion? So, one of, the, one of the exercises that I invite folks to, to try on, if they like, is to take a moment and pause and think, when I feel really angry, what do I most want from someone close to me, a close other? They might be partnered, they might not be partnered. So, maybe it's a, a, a close friend, a colleague, a parent, a child, what do I most want, right? when I am angry? And then I ask them to write that out. All right? And then after about a minute and a half, I say, and when someone really close to me is angry, what is my default? What am I most likely to do? Right?
0: Flight response.
1: (laughs) And how do those two look side by side? And it's not that every person in in our orbit wants the same thing we want. But it's just as a default, what do we most want? What do we most tend to offer? Right? And how does that compare? And because I think many people are surprised when they do that little teeny exercise and say, wow, I kind of want it to get over. I want to shut it down. I wanna um, yeah. you know, I want I, I wanna find a way to make sense of it, you know. And when when I'm angry, what I really just listen to me. Just stand by me. Don't look scared to death
0: <laughs> what I'm doing. Just be there with me, right? I think, you know, one of my first growth edges, I love that you're talking about this, very, very early. I think probably within my first couple months of just starting in practice with BFT because I actually took my my externship as an intern while in my master's program. So, wow, good yeah, for you. Yeah. Once I actually got in the room with my first few couples, I recognized that when I felt attacked, you know, sometimes you have those really hostile pursuers who will turn, they'll turn their cannon on you and start firing at you, the therapist. And I learned that my fight or flight was to go into fight mode and I would fight back, which Obviously, in session is not going to bode well for the it client.
1: It might work super well for you. <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, it was—it's validating for their partner, but the client, like you know, it—it it can cost that therapeutic relationship, which is not good, and they're not going to mm-hmm. feel heard or understood. And so, I right. had to work through with my supervisor, you know, what came alive for me when a client was getting angry towards me, and what was my relationship to anger.
1: Right. So to take a moment, really check in with ourselves on the different feelings that people can present. For, some, for many people, anger is a tough one. For others, you know, sadness tr- is triggering. And how can we try to very intentionally grow that space? I personally think we don't do well to try to grow that solo. I think we grow that by... I always think it's great to have an attachment buddy when you're studying and learning EFT. Um, So if you have a hard session, of course you can bring it to supervision, you can bring it to your trainings. But if you have somebody that is sort of like your lifeline, (laughs) EFT lifeline support that I can call you and say, that session was awful or I was flooded or, and you start to process, learn what it's like to really process for yourself with someone else. We co-regulate so much faster then we regulate on our own exponentially. So, right. That's, that's foundational to our work. And it's true for us as well. Don't be alone with those difficult feelings, have someone that you process that, with, whether it is a, a study buddy, whether it's a supervisor, therapy partner. And sometimes for me, one of the most helpful things has been to this day, to this day, if I have somebody I'm really struggling with, Um, you know somebody who maybe is on the edge of being abusive verbally um, where I know my my intention might be to want to shut that down before I can think about doing something different I really have to try on that client I it helps me to practice being that person and having someone sit opposite me so I can feel what reaches me and what doesn't you know yeah. We need to be in the emotional place to learn how to do the emotional work. That's you know, right? right. With Sue parachuted in right now on our call, she would say, we're all in the same turkey soup together, right? Yes. we have heard her say that. And I think yes. that's what she's saying. The yeah. emotions don't just belong to them on that side of the room. They're also us. We need practice with it. We need especially to, to allow ourselves opportunities to practice it when we're not sitting with our
0: clients. Yes. Yeah. I notice, you know, as a supervisor, that's usually one of the most common initial growth edges that come up with my supervisees is that working with emotion. And I see this come up in core skills all the time. Cause sometimes you have people who come from more avoidant attachment styles or they're really they're big withdrawers and so emotion can be really hard for them. So that's like feels like a huge hill for them to climb initially. Yeah. How do I don't want to get comfortable being in the emotion? Because if I can't be comfortable, then when my client starts to go there, I'm going to exit and pull them out. And then we're not going to be able to stay where we need to stay.
1: Just being able to recognize that is definitely a piece of it, right? To realize, wow, look what happens to me. My pull is to exit, or my pull is to try to organize them, or my pull is to try to think, is there any way I can? get out of this room a few minutes, you know, and, and to just be with that, to just feel that and have a place where you can feel those feelings
0: yeah. where you don't
1: have an immediate pressure to respond and yeah. to be a little, to, you know, how do we develop a little self-compassion that yeah. maybe we, we deserve and for good reasons we need that practice, right?
0: Yeah, empathy for ourselves. Yeah. Exactly. And it's interesting. Like I noticed, um, you know, some therapists are really gung-ho. They're really excited to clean out these corners. You know, attachment theory and EFT just have this way of, you know, arousing dusty corners of our our emotional world, of our experiences that other models haven't quite touched. Yeah. So you know, new things will get triggered. And I have my supervisees kind of track their own cycle um, as they kind of go through the self of the therapist exercises. When you get triggered on the inside or when something comes alive, what do you notice yourself doing? Oh, I do this. What do you tell yourself? And impact the client, right? How does that show up in your work and come alive in the therapy room? And it's been quite interesting for them. And they, they, they it's a really good, Reflective exercise for them to recognize. Oh when I feel this way. This is what I might do in session And this is how it's going to impact the work
1: Exactly, it's a beautiful exercise. I love that you you offer that to to your supervisees And I think what's interesting is for some folks. I find that It's easiest for them to lean into the people who are wired the way they are and for some it's tougher to lean into the ones who are wired. They get more impatient with some version of themselves, yes, in the room than with the other. Which um, and it all makes sense if we can just, you know, slow down enough, have a place to um, to reflect on that, to process, to be compassionately curious. That's what I say. We can. We can. I really do believe we can say almost anything to anybody, depending on our tone of voice, you know, and how we say it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe we can also turn that around and be compassionately curious with ourselves. And it's ideally to learn to, to be that way without being harshly critical or irritated or demeaning when we, when we need a moment for us.
0: Yeah. And being able to recognize when that moment comes up in session and be able to take a breath and say, can we just pause here for a second? I got lost, you know. Yeah. So, and it's a really exciting journey to learn EFT, even though it can be really daunting at times. And there's a lot of self-growth. And I notice these growing edges change and they, different levels of your development will pop up different growth edges, right? Yeah. So, you know, one of the first things that I noticed, you know, as we already talked about with working with emotion, how does that impact the work, and, you know, what happens inside of the therapist, um, but also just parts with understanding the model. I, I love how you mentioned before, we kind of rush to absorb all this information, and certainly when I went through certification, I felt like I was following these prescriptive steps but you know when I was going through my supervisor training last year it wasn't even until then I'd been doing EFT for five years already that parts of stage two just clicked in a much deeper way than they ever clicked before and I actually felt a little embarrassed like oh I've been doing EFT for five years and this just you know but it just tells you the degree to which things sink in and click all over the place
1: I think that's that's so well said and it's so true and we're forever I think getting a bit sharper also so as the model this beautiful model that Sue has developed um goes all over the world and we have a chance to practice and to teach and to supervise um our we also learn from experience. Like, is there some way to refine this? Is there some way we talk about, you know, for example, I think a lot about, a, you know, what I think is the step that most people skip over, the alliance, right? That's ABC. It's true of every model. We don't really need to spend a lot of time learning that, right? But when you're sitting with um, either an individual client who's, particularly challenging for one reason or another or a couple or a family it's also true that it's easier to develop an alliance with some people than others and I really like to include exercises in my teaching that are a bit of a setup for uh, a couple where maybe there's one person that is easier for most of us to connect with than the other. So I have a role play, for example, in our core skills that we do where um, couples have been together for a long time and um, one of the partners just experienced a loss in their family and they started to do some group work around grief and all of a sudden the window on emotions has just opened up in a whole new way and they want to bring that home to their relationship and the other partner is like, like they look at them like they've grown two heads, you know, like all of a sudden you wanna have a different landscape for the interior of our relationship. And I want our therapist to role play working with that couple, where it's probably gonna be very gratifying for us that one person is now really tuned into this channel and really wants to do it. And how do we feel towards that person who is saying, you know, we had a long-term relationship, everything was good. Why does the fact that you lost one of your parents have to change the way we connect with each other? You know, so alliance can sound simple, but some clients are harder to connect with. And sometimes we have an alliance and then we fall out of alliance.
0: Yes. Yeah. I, one of the ways that I recognized, or, you know, one of my growth edges was one particular type of client I found was really hard to build an alliance with. And it was the kind that was so, defended that even when you repeated their own words back to them, they're like, no, no, that's not, and you're like, but you just told me that. You know? I, have, well, I have a lot
1: of, of, of attorney clients who the, the being precise about what's been said or not said. So conjectures are not their best friend. Yeah. So it feels like you were saying, yeah, no, it's almost like, let the record reflect that I said this. I did not expand in that way, right? Yeah. So yes. Yes. Yeah.
0: And we kind How of How do be... we sit with
1: that? What is that? What happens inside for
0: us? That, that panic. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was getting this right. I'm using their words. I'm I'm using yeah. the whole baby tricks that, that they told us in the EFT manual and it's not working. Nothing's working, right? Yeah. Yeah. One of the other growth edges I noticed too is that when therapists are are learning EFT, they're trying to find their niche or their flow. And you know, learning the language of EFT is very nuanced. It's a very um, different way of speaking. Yes. I mean it's the English language, but it you know, it's all attachment and I know a lot of therapists struggle with learning their language and often i find that they'll tr- and, and i was guilty of this too is they may try to copy like their favorite trainer or whatever and sometimes they find like oh it just doesn't work for me and you know one thing that i had to learn is that there's multiple right ways to do this right yes. I, i'm gonna be sue johnson in session so you know yeah i may be able to borrow some things from her but at the end of the day, I have to find what fits my personality and, and go with my own intuitive nature because I'm the one who's going to be alive in the room. So, right. you know, giving people permission to develop, to develop themselves and knowing that it's not wrong, there are lots of ways to do this. And it's a mixed ingredient list. You know, when you're in session, you're the one who's feeling what's alive in the room. And, and while we may explore this or we may explore this while we're watching a tape, you're the one who's actually there feeling it. So if you're leaning in, we got to trust that you must have had an instinct that something was popping up there. And so right. you went that way. Let's go with that. Let's talk about that. You know? And I
1: think at the beginning, I think it's really a part of the progression of developing your own EFT voice, because at the beginning, really all you have is to try to sound like you're the trainer who's teaching you. Right. Um, And I think one of the nice things about going to different trainings and having different exposures is it doesn't mean that you're going to sound exactly like any one of them, but there's something about hearing people do it
0: differently that I think
1: creates that space.
0: Yes, I love that. It really helps you get like a smattering of styles, which I'm a fan of, because you find what's interesting is you find that there is a commonality in the language that transcends the trainer's styles, but it is still nuanced in their style, and they may have some nuances that really fit for you, and our clients are very diverse, so I've learned that some of the warm, fuzzy talk, which some of the trainers are brilliant at, just doesn't reach some of my clients, and they need more of that, like, technical, tactical language, which some of the other therapists, other trainers are good at, so. Right,
1: right so it's learning well. the match for them for what the client what, what does the, what do these clients need from me in this moment and then it's also learning to sort of find your own voice and when you talked about developing the flow i i, I have to say again i'm back with my driving images that i remember when you know when you're learning drivers ed and they say all right one hand is at 10 and one is at 2 and you're going to be 10 feet for every for every 10 miles an hour, you're going to be a car length and, and, and it's X number of feet before you get to the corner that you put on your signal. And you're trying to hold all these data points. Right. And then at some point you're just driving. Yeah. At some point you're just driving. Right. And you're not thinking about the 10 and the two and how many feet you are before you put on your signal. Right. You're just doing it. Right. And I think that Uh, that probably feels exactly right to some of our listeners. And for others, it's like, I want to get to that point (laughs) where where I can feel that flow. Yeah. People have had it with lots of other things they are already proficient in.
0: Yeah. And And it's practice like everything else. Practice makes perfect. And it's a, you know, it's a continuing process. And One, you know, so part of the growth edge thing, and as we mentioned earlier, different levels as things start to sink in and you become more advanced, you'll have different growth edges popped up. I had a growth edge come up this year around language, is that I found my niche, but sometimes I felt like I would get in like my own little EFT machine and it was well oiled, and then I kind of get stuck in this rut because it was just producing the same thing over and I. Was losing some flexibility, so I had some of my most difficult cases to date come through this year, and some of them ended up leaving prematurely. And I felt mm-hmm. like, well, yes, I can see that some of it was just their lack of desire to go into vulnerability, and you know, you find that sometimes with couples, oh, we got to do vulnerability. No, nope, I'm out of here. But I also recognized, you know, because I wanted to understand what can I learn from this. How can I, you know, improve my skills so that I can better serve these clients? And I learned that I think I was trying to confine them too much into my EFT box with my languaging. I can still keep them in the EFT lens, but adapt my language when they say things like I want tools, even though we're six months in and I'm like, you're not using the tools I'm giving you, (laughs) you know, but I learned that this was me like becoming rigid in my own languaging that when I had a few odd, you know, different clients come in, I wasn't being flexible enough to achieve or right. at with my language.
1: That's so interesting, right? Like, how do we really listen? What do these clients need at this moment? Yeah. And can we, even as it's sort of like part of us wants to say, but I'm giving you so much. Right, yeah. to say, you really want something to hold on to right now. You really want something that's going to absolutely work and carry you from
0: this Tuesday to next Tuesday. Yes. And
1: we can make sense of that, right?
0: Yeah. We don't have to change the model, but we can change our language that better attunes to what the client is expressing. Right. And we can find a way to connect with, I think,
1: and resonate with why they would be asking for, for that.
0: Right? Yes. Yeah, and new clients will teach us new things and, you know, it, it will require our antennas of, intu- yes. of attu- to continuing, you know, like when you, I think of like a TV when you have that antenna, the bunny ears, and they have the digital bunny ears and you actually have to like scan your TV with the mm-hmm. tuner, you know, we have to keep scanning our antenna, you know, to pick right. up frequencies as we develop. And so it's good just to, you know, not get rigid in our language and have that flexibility, yes. which fine, you know, <laughs> yeah. So I also, you know, and maybe we can talk about how therapists will recognize that they've come up against a growth edge. But right before that, I do want to say guys that don't be embarrassed or ashamed if you feel like you've hit a growth edge expect this to be a part of your EFT journey and you will get really good at certain things and then you'll feel like you just kind of plateaued and you're not breaking through and at least for me that's my own felt experience that I might have hit a glass ceiling and it doesn't mean I'm doing anything wrong it means I've progressed and I've gotten better that now my my clientele or my skills are demanding that I learn and grow to a new level a new higher place so How would you also talk about that?
1: I think, um, I think I love that invitation to say, let's just be attuned to your own blocks. So, you know, what comes up, which things seem to come more easily, which things are tougher. I always say to Sue, if I am a good teacher at all, it's probably because I was the very slowest learner, you know, I—I I, I mean, this was very flooding to me. All this language of emotion. Um, I was not in a relationship when I took my externship, so I sat there the whole week, alternating between feeling like, "Oh my gosh, the most important thing in the world is—is is this, you know, authentic, attuned, you know, response?" And I'm not—I'm not in a relationship. This is—this is—this is devastating, right? And so I would alternately feel terrible or check out, you know? So that was my externship, right? And I'm always amazed when people go through the externship and they actually have learned and retained things. (laughs) So we have different, different pacings. We have different things that will trigger us. Um, And uh, again, finding the place for self-compassion. Um, one of the things, uh, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful to someone on our EFT listserv, I just don't know who the person is, but somewhere around six months ago, someone started a thread um, that said, how many couples is everybody seeing in a day? Because now that I'm 49, I'm feeling like I don't quite have the energy, um, energy to uh, just kind of see so many people in a day and I was like wow somebody's asking that question at 49 this feels like a chance for me to reflect you know I hadn't even thought about that but in this model and I think you alluded to this early in our conversation uh we are really lending our nervous system out on a regular basis we're feeling with we're con- we're in there we're not um, we're not just kind of looking down at folks and mm, you have a problem right we're feeling our way with them and it's
0: touching something deep it takes a lot of energy to do eft really well like you have to be on your game <laughs> you know you have to be on your game and you have to be
1: feeling your way you know just like is this feeling it no that thing, you know they're kind of nodding or looking like they're trying to go along with me but I'm registering something here is in the way. So how do I really feel my way into that and be with with our clients there? So some of it is also just looking at how much are we expecting of ourselves? And of course, I wanna um, be aware that that, even that question is a question that I can ask from a place of privilege that I have my own practice and I can structure my day and do a balance of, of clinical hours with couples or individuals or... Um, And not everyone has that choice. Some people are in agencies with very high demands on them in terms of um, seeing a certain number of clients every day and a certain number of sessions every week. So uh, they don't always have that choice. And I, I, I appreciate that as
0: well. I even think the double bind of being in private practice is you always worry about the famine season. So when it's feast, you might tend to overwork yourself, even though you know you're in control, (laughs) you know, so it's like, oh, you know, business has been slow lately. So I'm going to take this extra couple, even though it might, you know, add extra to my day. And everybody's threshold is different. You know, some people can handle seeing ten people in a day and maybe only three days a week, whereas other people their limit is six. You know, it really depends. And yeah. I think the kind of case that you're seeing. If you have a couple that is much easier to work with than a client who's super highly escalated or has a lot of trauma, you yeah. know, different couples are going to stretch your window and use your energy. In different amounts. So you kind of have to tune into yourself and figure out what what works for you.
1: But what was very interesting to me about that thread on the listserv is that, as best I recall, the overwhelmingly common number that people uh, came up with in terms of how many they could comfortably see was they said, I could see four to five couples in a day. And that was about it. Yeah. Because it's something to, to think about in terms of for, if we can structure in any choice or any balance in our lives, to yeah. really be compassionate about just what it is like to lend out your nervous system on an hourly basis. You know?
0: Yeah. And it's not a, a competition, guys. If you feel like you can only see four and you hear someone saying, oh, I can see seven, please don't feel like you're doing something wrong. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. Yeah, everybody's window is different. So, and, you know, so going back to the the growing edges, you know, it's very common for a therapist, you know, like I said, as you develop, as things sink in deeper, you might come back to places that you thought you knew or you do know, but you're stuck in a different way around. Right. You it much deeper and and I've also noticed this too, is as I got stronger, my EFT skills, my, I had more complicated, increasingly more difficult and challenging cases. So
1: it's interesting how, how our clients find us at the right time. It's just yes. stressful. But I think, I think you're right. That edge will be different for some people, especially at the beginning. I think it, it, it starts out as a conceptual edge. Do I really understand this, you know, and depending on what models you've worked with before, it will either feel more organic or it will feel like there's a little bit of a struggle inside. I mean, people who've done a lot of Rogerian work will feel a lot of familiarity and comfort, right, when they start to do EFT. And someone who's been more strategic in in an approach might might really be challenged. Like, am I really doing something when I'm reflecting? That's actually doing therapy, right? so it's funny i actually um you know i think for some people who've been systemically trained the idea of focusing on a cycle makes sense and for others there really is a um a sense that you know we're really going to understand the pathology of each person and somebody might really be a problem right if i can i'm going to try to show this to you on our screen so this was a a bag i made for our 10th anniversary of our 10th EFT workshop in New York. Can you see Um, what it says? It says
0: a little bit higher. Perfect. The cycle made me do it. (laughs) That's great.
1: Yes. So, but for some people that by itself, really getting a sense of the interdependency and the fact that we co-create something with with another person, that by itself is an edge. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's beautiful. And, and really, I think the art of learning the edges is just that constant attunement to yourself, to where you're at and really tuning in. Is this a self of the therapist block? Is this um, a block in the model? in my conceptualization is, is there a part of the steps and stages that I'm noticing and you know, don't be ashamed or embarrassed guys, like still, i i'm a supervisor and sometimes i'm like i'm stuck and and i do have that little moment where i almost like i'm tempted to shame myself and say oh like you're so stupid you should know this how can you help other people but i have to go back and remember like this is a new layer of understanding and it's popping up because i've grown and so i've got to be able to digest that digest it yes
1: yeah. And sometimes we can be creative. Like I just developed a new technique. I was kind of excited. And I, I've just been trying it out in the last couple months. And I call it my Columbo intervention. Do you remember Columbo from television? Yes. You know, who, this, He always looked kind of disheveled. Like he didn't quite know what was going on, but would always come in with just the So I realize that for some clients, not the highly reactive ones, but for some who are on the more slower moving side, I like to take on the place of confusion. I like to, when I want them to reiterate something they just said or done that's valuable, I want to say, well, you know, a few minutes ago, I realized you said something and I think it was so big. I think I only got part of it. You know, I remember you started saying, and then I might use their phrase, and then pause and look confused, and let them tell it to me again, right? Because it, it, it anchors it, I feel more deeply, if they repeat it to me than if I repeat it to them, Yeah. for some clients. So as you say, our clients teach us what they need, what works, what doesn't, so, but that's, yeah. that's what I'm playing with now, is, is my colombo. Yeah.
0: Internet. That's perfect. That's beautiful. That, that art of like, I'm, I'm confused. I'm not sure I quite got all that. And, you know, it is important to try to get it from the client that's more experiential than for us to just logically explain it to them. Exactly. Yeah. And just like our clients are learning their cycle and learning the model in their way, we're learning it the same way. So it'll digest with them in layers. It'll digest with us in layers. So... Do you have any words of advice or encouragement for therapists that are on this journey that, that are coming up against their growth edges? What would you recommend beyond the things that we've already discussed?
1: I think I would just take my, my EFT highlighter over, over what we've said and, you know, I think, you know, be, be compassionate, find somebody to process it with. Don't try to go it alone. You know, um, just, you know, realize that, you know, as um, I have an Irish friend who says there's an an Irish expression, a problem shared is a problem halved. Yeah. Which I like also, I think that's very EFT. There is something about sharing it with with someone else. I, you know, when you get stuck, that can be so helpful, right?
0: Sometimes just saying it out loud. I used to call my process partner when I first learned EFT almost every day that I was in session. I was like, help! I'm stuck. Yes. they were so willing to be there and they were we were about the same place in EFT but my partner listened to a lot of podcasts and so we were able to digest and help each other learn and grow but it was so helpful so I totally get a browse as partner
1: and sometimes then we can start to carry them inside ourselves you know we can start to say you know even if you can't reach that person in that moment what would they say what would they say now how would they respond to, to my, my worry or my concern? You
0: know? Yeah, that's so funny that you say that because that was, when I was able to do that was when I first finally gave myself credit for knowing more than I was giving myself credit for. If I thought, if I put this on the list, sir, what would I imagine people would say back to me, And if I could respond with that question, I'm like, okay, maybe I actually know more than I give myself credit for. <laughs> maybe so, right? And my original EFT supervisor is still the voice in my head. Like, she's my secure base and still when I think of things, I imagine it in her voice.
1: (laughs) Perfect. That's beautiful.
0: Yeah. So, Elena, do you teach workshops on the developing EFT therapist?
1: So, yes, I have. um, I have developed this program, the, um, the EFT boot camp for people to really focus in on themselves and their own development. Um, and I'm happy if people are listening and would like me to come to their community, I'd be very happy to chat with them about that because I've done it here and I've done it on the road. And uh, it's just a chance to hang
0: out in this space and, and think about us as we're yeah. building. I love of that EFT boot camp. I think we all need that. Even as a seasoned EFTer, I still love boot camp. <laughs> EFT boot camp. <laughs> so, do you have a website? Do you have any? Have you written any books? What kind? How can folks find you?
1: So, the best way to find me is either on the Ackerman website, and you know, ackerman.org. I'm also on the NICEF website, NICEF.org. Um, and um, you'll, you'll find me and uh, I'd certainly be glad to hear from folks if this has been of interest. Because uh, I always like to keep my ear to what is, what helps us do this work, this beautiful model.
0: Yeah. Can they email you on the websites?
1: Yes, you can absolutely email me, me and my email is really simple, it's ilanacats at
0: gmail.com. So. Cool at gmail.com. And I will make sure that I put your email address along with NICEF and the Ackerman Institute's website in the description for this video. So you guys can just hit the drop down and click away and go right to their website. Perfect. Phenomenal. Perfect. And Alana, you are just absolutely amazing. And I love this idea oh. of EFT Guys, look her up. Have her come to your area and do an EFT boot camp. It will be a lifesaver. <laughs>
1: Thank you so much and it's just been such a pleasure to talk with you and to connect with you and just reflect back on on all these important pieces of what we do.
0: You are so welcome. And you and I have some other exciting topics that are in the works. So guys, expect to see Alana again on our show. So thank you again just so much for your time and your expertise and just all of the wonderful work you do for us in, in the EFT community.
1: You're most welcome.
0: And thank you so much to our viewers, guys. Make sure that you hit subscribe because more videos are on the way.